You know, some people enjoy composing their own music, chord by chord, and others are happiest when they come across that one perfect song. Work is not a lot different than that. Whether you prefer building your own workflow or using a pre-made template, with Monday.com, you and the team can work in a way that's comfortable for everyone. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com and build your own amazing workflow or find an awesome template. No judgment. When you make decisions for your company, you always look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing and shipping to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your process to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, books, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart if you sell online, schedule package pickups through the dashboard, and automatically see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers, with rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are, even on the go. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other business decision makers with Stamps.com. Sign up at Stamps.com with code PROGRAM for a special offer that includes a four-week trial, plus free postage, and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. Election College, episode number 299. Harry Truman, part three. Let's throw a political party. Face it, the political scene sucks, but did it always? It's time for election college, and class is in session. Now, your hosts, Jason Goff and Ben Smith. Well, Jason, here we are. Part three of Harry Truman. Getting, getting closer to the present getting more and more details about these Mr. President guys. So we're, I mean, who knows? This could go 12 episodes for all we know. We could draw this thing out to like for the rest of the year. It's like, you know, it's raking in cash every episode we do. So why not, right? Exactly. <laughs> Just kidding. Good capitalists. I mean, we, we, we have ads and we, you know, we bring in a little money, but we mostly just like doing it for you guys. But Harry Truman, uh, last episode we talked about, well, he's the president now. And this comes after a series of unfortunate events, as I believe Jason put it. And he gets in and he's like, hey, all my friends, come on in. And here, you have a job you don't know how to do. And you have a job you don't know how to do. And why not? You have a job you don't know how to do, too. <laughs> you sound like Oprah. <laughs> you got a job. You got a job. Yeah. <laughs> But um, he, he gets in the office and he, he takes the oath and he looks at a bunch of reporters and he says, boys, if you ever pray, pray for me now. I don't know if you fellows ever had a low, load of hay fall on you, but what they told me happened yesterday, I felt like the moon, the stars, and all the planets had fallen on me. And, uh, you know, that, that can happen when you become the president unexpectedly. Yeah, it's kind of a weird thing because... I guess a lot of people were thinking, oh, FDR isn't going to live <laughs> very long. It seems like right. on the inside, but then you have the country and people are like mourning a president and then you've got World War II going on and 
you got this vice president who barely talked to the president and now he's the president and wow i would feel like the stars fell on me i can imagine yeah and maybe a moon and a few planets too <laughs> i guess <laughs> so whenever he not only i mean he he brings his friends in and appoints them to places they shouldn't be but he basically says to all of the cabinet members that were FDR's cabinet members, you guys can stay in place. I'm open to your advice. However, I'm the one making decisions, and you're going to support me. You can have your opinions. You can fill me in. But I'm going to make the decisions, and you're going to have to pretend like they were your ideas, too. And this doesn't always settle well with people unless they already really, really like you. So we could see some potential problems in the future. Not even, what, a month after he assumes the presidency. He's like, hey, guys, we win in Europe. It's my birthday. And uh, he proclaims that uh, the Allies have won in Europe. And now we're going to do something uh, with the Japanese. So Truman goes to Europe for the Potsdam Conference. You remember that? That's where... Vaguely. He and Stalin and Churchill, they get together and they're like, hey, what about that bomb that you have? He's like, what bomb? <laughs> no, he, he knows about it at this point. But in his diary, he says, we've discovered the most terrible bomb in the history of the world. It may be the fire destruction prophesied in the Euphrates Valley era after Noah and his fabulous ark. So he's like, dude. This is uh, a big deal. And he had just found out about it, which is crazy. I mean, he was vice president and, you know, in politics before that, but he just finds out about it like two months before that conference. And basically, uh, he finds out during that conference that the first atomic bomb test had been successful. He kind of tells Joseph Stalin that, hey, um, we're probably going to unleash this new kind of weapon against Japan. Uh, remember how they bombed Pearl Harbor, that kind of thing. So this is probably going to be happening. And um, Stalin's like, yeah, I already knew about that bomb. Uh, Sorry. (laughs) Like, we we spied on you and stuff. Like, I I found out about it before you did. Uh, So in August, the Japanese government says, no, we're not going to abide by all the rules that you guys set up at that conference. And... Um, instead, you know what? Go ahead. Come get us. And Truman says, okay, well, I guess. Here we go. And that's when the atomic bomb is dropped on Nagasaki and Hiroshima. And that's a whole entire, I mean, we could have a whole podcast, like a series about uh, the atomic bomb and all that kind of stuff. But Truman's uh, really justification is that this saves a lot of lives because yes you have terrible destruction but we could have been looking at more war which would have been another quarter to half a million uh, people dying instead whenever they bombed Hiroshima and Nagasaki uh, they only was only about 105,000 dead so I mean whatever rationale you want to use whether you agree or not with the atomic bomb and the decision there um, I'm sure it was not an easy decision to make so the war ends pretty quick because of the uh, the bombs that were dropped on Japan. And what ends up happening is you've got this economy that is doing pretty well because, you know, 
when a country is at war, they've got to produce all of the weapons and ships and planes and all that goes into that. And then you make this transition to a peacetime economy. And that's kind of difficult to do because you go from a government that is just spending like crazy to not spending like crazy. So what ends up as crazy. Yeah. (laughs) What ends up happening is a bunch of unions go on strike and you have people align along party lines with, Hey, we've, we're done with the solidarity thing. We're going to have our agendas and we're going to try to um, pass those agendas. So he's faced with all kinds of strikes around the country. Uh, he ends up seizing the railroads in order to contain a rail uh, worker strike. Uh, the entire national railroad system was shut down. This immobilized 24,000 freight trains and 175,000 passenger trains a day. So what ends up happening is Truman's not very popular amongst the American people. As the 1948 election is coming up, and Truman's pretty sure he's going to run, he says, I am fully in support of the New Deal ideas. I am really in favor of national health insurance. I want to repeal the Taft-Hartley Act. Uh, there's a couple things he doesn't uh, totally agree with. Uh, has some little funky ideas about segregation and civil rights and everything. For the most part, he's a kind of a dyed-in-the-wool Democrat of the time. And so people really start to understand where he's at, and of course he wants to make sure that that's going to happen moving forward. There's all sorts of other stuff happening as well, though. Among the things that Truman is faced with are, well, the Soviet Union is no longer an ally, and you've got the Berlin airlift going on, you've got the whole recognition of Israel uh, becoming a state is an issue, and backing up to where the Soviet Union is no longer really an ally, you've got the onset of the Cold War, and what are you going to do with China in the midst of all of that? So things are even more complex now that the enemies are changing and you've got all these domestic issues going on. He ends up aligning himself with Republicans when it comes to international affairs, but domestically, he's very much a Democrat. 1948 election rolls around and you know what happens there, I think. Yeah. If you don't, we have a whole episode about it. But briefly, uh, Truman is not well-liked even earlier that year. Uh, Basically, he's got an approval rating of 36%, which I don't really know how accurate those approval ratings are now, let alone um, 75 years ago or more. But still, everybody thinks there's no way he's going to win. The New Deal is a flop. Nobody likes it. You know, they're going to try to swing this out of here over to to Dwight Eisenhower and Eisenhower's like no I will not uh, run I will not take that nomination that's not my job that's Truman's job so at the DNC Truman says he wants to unify the party and he kind of starts bringing the civil rights piece of things back into the platform and you know there's a lot of people that still don't like what he has to say but he's basically trying to make the 
northern and southern wings of the party get behind him because he had had some funky ideas in the past and really he just wanted to help align uh, people behind him. And of course he could have sincerely believed some of those new things he was saying, but he ends up, he, he ends up winning. Uh, he went winning the DNC. He gets the nomination and he comes out and just realizes there's so much going on here. There's so much that has to be done. He issues executive order 9981, which basically makes it so that the U S armed services are now integrated uh, he integrates the federal agencies with another executive order, and he really starts to put his money where his mouth is, so to speak, and come out with a lot of these progressive ideas that um, some people just don't like, quite frankly. Yeah. And in the middle of all this, that's where the whole Chicago Tribune newspaper, he's holding it up. He wins the election, but it says Dewey defeats Truman. He was not supposed to win that election. So that was a shocker. And interestingly enough, he's inaugurated, and it's the first inauguration that was ever televised nationally. And you have an arms race that begins shortly after the inauguration. I mean, it's not too far into his second term that... He announces the detonation of the first hydrogen bomb, which was more powerful than anything the Soviet Union would have had at that point. And then you've got an uprising going on in North Korea. They decide that they're going to invade South Korea. So the Korean War starts, or the Korean conflict, if you want to be exact on that. So in the midst of a huge victory in World War II just a few years later. You've got another war breaking out, really putting on display the Cold War. You have Truman deciding that Douglas MacArthur should go ahead and uh, retire. And this was not popular at all. And Robert Taft, the senator from Ohio, we all know him, uh, he decides that he's going to start talking about impeachment. So here we go again with the idea of, well, there's a big bloody battle happening. Should we use another nuclear weapon against the Chinese army? But choosing to not want to escalate this thing any further than it need to be, um, they end up taking the war for another two years. Uh, you've got 30,000 Americans killed, along with many people on uh, other sides killed as well. This is basically the point where Truman's popularity approval marking dives even worse, and he goes down to a 22% approval rating, which is the lowest <laughs> at that time and the lowest that you'll see again until Richard Nixon. Um, so this isn't great for Truman. Uh, then you've also got the Cold War escalating at this point. Um, you know, there's a lot of shady stuff going on. Uh, NATO is in the mix, and Truman's a really strong supporter of them, uh, which does seem to help out a decent bit during that time, and especially as their tensions are rising everywhere. So it helps, you know, with some uh, alliances with other countries and, and forces as well. And this is the point, and this is important because of what you'll see the next president, Truman appoints... General Eisenhower as NATO's commander. 
Now that the new lines have been drawn, <laughs> the Soviet Union is the enemy. The United States, Britain, France, Italy, the Netherlands, Belgium, Luxembourg, Norway, Denmark, Portugal, Iceland, and Canada are like NATO. Hey, this is a great idea. Uh, meanwhile, the Soviet Union just decides to take over every country that they possibly can in Eastern Europe, and they call their organization the Warsaw Pact. We all remember this, right? You have on the Asian front, the Chinese Civil War going on, and we're still in the midst of some of these blurry, weird, controversial alliances that uh, our country has with the People's Republic of China. Y you know, mainland China, it's communist. Well, the nationalists, they're all driven to Taiwan. And to this day, you can't necessarily say the Republic of China in the United States because, well, Beijing's not going to be happy with you. And what do you do with Korea? We all know that that's a very controversial issue uh, on the world stage. So not all of the things that happened during the Truman administration have been resolved to this day. So in 1948... And this is just a very fascinating point of history to me. I want to see a ton of pictures and uh, all sorts of crazy stuff. But Truman says, all right, we need an addition added to the outside of the White House. I want to put a balcony in on the second floor. And people are like, R really? Like, because that's ugly. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, and we'll call it the Truman balcony. And they're like, okay, but we still kind of think it's ugly. <laughs> Uh, so uh, that's, um, you know, to give the, the first family some more living space and things like that. So Truman and his family move into the Blair House during some of those renovations. And the West Wing, which was a bit newer at that time, uh, stays open, including the Oval Office and everything. And so Truman would walk across the street, essentially, uh, to work f from his home at the uh, Blair House over to the White House. And... If you've never seen that, we, we did kind of an episode about this a long, long time ago. But if you've never seen the inside pictures of the White House during this time, they completely 100% down to like the outside studs and dug down and gutted the White House. I'm positive at that time, you know, it was when they dug underneath and put a bunch of bunkers and stuff like that and like just complete redesign. They basically kept the outside shell and that's nothing. So it's safe to say that it would not have been possible to live in uh, during that time. Well, during this time uh, that he's staying at the Blair House, uh, there are some Puerto Rican nationalists that attempt to assassinate him at Blair House. And they're on the street just outside the home. Jason, you and I stood there and talked to the, the guard that was outside the uh, the Blair House when we were there. Yeah, he was great. And Yeah, he was awesome. <clears throat> um, he was not uh really they were not on high alert i guess i would say because we were just kind of like able to stroll up and be like hey what's what's going on man he's like i can't tell you who's staying here we're like that's fine but who's staying there <laughs> <laughs> but uh so the the puerto rican nationalists they uh they end up shooting and morally wounding a uh policeman from the white house and that policeman also shoots and kills one of the puerto rican nationalists so the other guy starts to get in to the house. He gets wounded, and they find him guilty 
of murder for murdering the police officer and sentences him to death. Truman says, let's have a little forgiveness, commutes his sentence to life in prison. And then Truman's like, huh, well, I guess this is probably a wake-up call that I should look and see this idea of Puerto Rican independence because that's what they were coming to talk to me about or maybe not quite talk to me about it. And we've never really known what's going on with Puerto Rico ever since. (laughs) Yeah, true that. There are so many loose ends. Oh, yeah. I'm going to be known as the guy who says loose ends the whole episode when it comes to Truman because we just never did deal with the things that happened in this era. Anyway, there are a lot of scandals going on in the Truman administration because, well, like Ben said, what happens when you bring your friends in? It's probably not a good idea. In uh, 1950, uh, the Senate investigated a whole bunch of charges of corruption among senior Truman uh, administration officials. Uh, People were getting uh, fur coats and deep freezers, which, hey, if you're going to be corrupt, might as well get a deep freezer while you're at it. That's right. Wow. Um, A large number of uh, what's now called the IRS, the Internal Revenue Revenue Bureau, they were accepting bribes and 166 employees were either fired or quit in 1950. Um, many of those people were facing indictment. The attorney general, uh, J. Howard McGrath fired uh, the special prosecutor in 1952 for being too zealous. Well, what happened? Truman fires McGrath. So yeah, Truman kind of, Got a little dirty. Got a little dirty and cleaned house, or maybe dirty house. Who knows? And that's where we'll leave it. Truman is not considered a very unpopular president uh, these days, but in the next episode, we're going to talk about why he wasn't very popular, um, why that 22% approval rating was a fact. Yeah, and exactly what that does for things that are going to come up in the future. And, uh, well, also what happens to Truman after he's no longer the president. In the meantime, we would really appreciate it if you would head over to iTunes and leave us a kind review. Uh, We do enjoy reading those when they come in and would really appreciate it if you would add to one. Yeah. And don't forget, you have a Facebook group. You can go over to electioncollege.com slash group and join the club. There's no admission fee. Just say, hey. I want to be a member. Nice. Thanks, everybody, and we'll talk to you next time.